you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. Hello everyone, welcome to the Non-Canon Files. I'll be your host today, Patrick, and joining me today are my two chrysanthemum co-hosts. It's Jonathan. Uh, turning into a ball of snow, Colt. Once again, it's time for our seasonal anime review, and we'll be discussing seven brand new series debuting for the spring 2021 anime season. And the series we'll be discussing today are Joran, the Princess of Snow and Blood, Shaman King 2021, To Your Eternity, Odd Taxi, Godzilla Singular Point, The Way the House Husband, and Vivi Floret Eyes Song. Alright, and our first series we'll be discussing today is The Way the House Husband. It released April 8th, and it's currently streaming on Netflix. And this is a series about a former Yakuza hitman who disappeared from his life of crime and violence and its resurfaced as a seemingly placid uh, homemaking husband. But let's just say his Yakuza ways have not withered away. So what do we think of The Way the House Husband? I fucking enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a very fun time. Uh, only it, It's a short get comedy show. It's very good. Uh, I've read the manga up to like volume four, which is all that's out in English at the moment. And uh, it's a super fun time. It's not got wild animation or normal animation when it comes to animated or anime in general. But uh, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I will mention that with this series, it has more of like a motion comic, like limited animation feel. Basically, the sort Mm -hmm. of transposing like scenes from the manga with like some slight animation and voice acting to it. And I, there, there has definitely been some contention with this series and like how it was presented as like this sort of limited motion anime, but I still feel like like the humor and like just the fun of the series still comes across very strong in this. Oh, I, I do too. Uh, like, it, granted, it would be great to see it fully animated, but I, I, I think like all the humor personality of the series is still intact. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I don't really. It's not really necessary to have it animated because it's just like these small skits that are unrelated to each other other than like background care info on these characters like the, his wife loves a TV show and that pops up throughout future bits as well. Yeah. And like I just thought it was really funny we sort of get like this daily this sort of like day by day snapshot of his life like how he's doing like these very mundane things like, you know, cooking his wife uh, lunch or going out for errands. But like he's still like his Yakuza 
ways are still so hard wired into him. So everything he does just seems really like sneaky and violent. So that the cops are constantly on his tail because they think he's up to something. But he's literally just running errands. And, and of course, not only is it like sneaky or suspicious, he has to do it in the most extra way possible. Oh, like he's like, he is like extra as fuck. He is dramatic as hell because like he's, he, he treats everything to the same level of deadly seriousness as he did when he was running missions for the Yakuza. Which is fucking great. Like, we're, you know, we go spoilers for all, like, yeah. the first we'll episode. See. It's just the first episode. We, we, there will be, be spoilers for the all the first episodes we'll be discussing in the day, but nothing past that. Yeah. Just, just first episode spoilers. And, like, one of my favorite bits is when he uh, gets his wife the, the Blu-ray of the show she likes, and she's like... I, like I really appreciate this, but I already have this one. And then he just like shame is <laughs> about to like cut off his pinky. Yeah, like he brings out the ceremonial knife. He's like, I will make amends, and he goes to cut it off. And his wife just fucking <laughs> clotheslines him out the window. It's good shit. And like, uh, there's a bit where he runs into like um, these rival uh, yakuza's from back in the day, and they start like chasing them through this mall and he's and he gets him like caught up into this like sale frenzy he's like oh you you gotta get this because because there's only a little bit left and it's like all these like housewives just like jumping and trying to grab everything and all to get away with some with some mittens it's like what how dare you get us dragged into this and the guy pulls a gun and he just sort of does some martial arts magic and he just puts the guy in, in the gloves they they found and that triggers this sort of like a childhood memory in the Yakuza is like, you know what? I'm not mad anymore because these gloves remind me of my mother. <laughs> it's so good. There's like, so there's a bit in the future. This is a teaser. I'm not going to go into details, but there's one where he babysits a kid and it's probably my favorite. Oh shit. Did you watch the entire season? No, I, I just going from what I remember in the manga. Oh, Okay. Uh, I will say I this is the only one so far that I've watched ahead on. I think I was up to episode four, and like cause there's like at least four to five little shorts per episode mm-hmm. because like all all the chapters are like very short form in the manga anyway, and like it is it's probably one of the funniest shows I've watched in a long time. It is really fun, and just to see how like he's he, he just looks like this brooding dangerous man, but he's like he's just really sincere and wants to be the best homemaker he can for his wife. And and, and plus there's like a... Because like his Yakuza group uh, sort of dissolved and he runs into like a junior member from his old gang and like he still... He acts... The junior member acts like he's tough shit but he's really just kind of like all talk. Yeah. And he's and he's trying to get his senpai to, you know, we're going to, you know, we're I'm trying to make my own thing. We're going to get back in the old days. And he's just, like, not having how his senpai is just, like, gone soft. And, and, and the thing is, is, like, the people from his past that come back, they're just, like, they, they are just so confused. Because, like, they, like, mention how this guy, like, kills, like, a room full of people with just his bare hands. And he he's just like I gotta get to this fucking cell, you little shit. <laughs> it's essentially uh, Yakuza games with Kiryu, the way he used to be a a murdering crazy criminal man, but now he just loves his daughter and he just wants to 
treat all these kids at this orphanage good. It's good shit. Good shit. And I was like, honestly, just seeing a little bit of the anime, I want to like go out and find the manga. Like, this is definitely like one of my favorites for the seasons. Like, easily. Oh yeah, hands down. And it's also really low commitment. It's like each episode's like fifteen minutes. Yeah, like it breezes past. And then, you know, like, the pace is just, like, bam, 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 very frenetic. And, like, like not, I wouldn't say, like, frenetic, but it's, it's very quick. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, rapid-fire bits and jokes. And there's, and uh, I love the bit how in some episodes they'll end with this extra bit of, of his cat doing silly shit. Yeah. Like, uh, in the first episode, you see his cat, Gein, like, go off for, like, he's like, okay, you're the man of the house while well, I'm off on errands, Gein, and the cat just immediately unlocks the door and goes off for a walk and you, and you just see him sort of like interacting with all the like neighborhood animals and he meets this like brutal mean looking like pit bull rottweiler kind of thing and it, but it's like, turns out it's just it's a girl and she's all tied up in her leash yeah and there's there's a a great bit with a cat in the second episode oh shit it's, it's, yeah. it's fucking hysterical I'm excited to like I mean this is like there are definitely shows with the anime seasons where I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and watch this and never do because it's like just throw it on the pile of shit I need to watch. But honestly, I think I'm probably going to at some point in the next week finish the season. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think it's like what, maybe eight episodes in the season? It's not a very long season. It might just be six. It is. It's six. It's. It helps that it all came out one time, mm-hmm. and uh, it's only like sixteen minutes an episode. So it'd be pretty easy to to knock this one out. And I and like honestly, it should be pretty easy to tell. This is very highly recommended from us. Yeah, despite that, we don't really have a lot to talk about because I mean, it's it kind of it's just comedy skits. I don't want to ruin it all. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if we talk too much, we'll basically just give away the whole skit because they're like five minutes each if that so definitely um check this out it's on netflix it's probably one of the easiest ones to find because most everybody has a netflix already yeah so definitely get out of your way to check out the way of the house husband coming up next we have Jurin, the princess of snow and blood it was released on april 7th it's currently streaming on crunchyroll and this series takes place in an alternate history it was 1930s japan but everything's like a bit more high tech and a bit more stylized <laughs> and with this series it follows the exploits of a, of a pale skinned young woman who runs a used bookstore by day but by night she seems to be involved with a very clandestine and perhaps supernatural organization what do we think of Jiren? This was one that I remember checking out the preview before the seasons were the spring was starting. This was the one that I was most excited for because the animation in the preview was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but out of all the anime that we watched today, this was the one that I was the most disappointed with. It does have some very beautiful animation mm-hmm. that I really enjoy, but. It's just not much. It's just not much is there for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I might... Because one of the problems with doing, like, see, like just, like, episode one reviews is a lot... 
especially anime, a lot of the first episodes are very front-loaded with exposition and not too much happens other than sort of establishing the status quo of the show. Yeah. If it even does that, sometimes it takes multiple episodes for that. Yeah, because there's definitely um, a, a few other episodes on here that are a bit slower as like in terms of getting like the plot rolling. But I feel like some definitely have like enough there to to, to entice you, at least for me, mm-hmm. to keep going. And plus, like not every show is gonna come out swinging. Sometimes they take. Sometimes they're a bit more deliberate with their plotting and pacing. So. There, are, there definitely will be shows that are a bit slow to start. And yeah. I think Joran is, while it is beautiful, like, it's, mm-hmm. I love when they, when the, especially when the main character <clears throat> gets into action, how it has this very sort of, like, ink wash, like, mm-hmm. very sort of high-energy action for its animation, but it's pretty low-key for the most part. We're sort of setting up this, like, weird, spooky shit that happens. Yeah. Also, the setting is really beautiful as well. It's like 1930s Japan, but with a high-tech twist. Yeah. And, I mean, it's even in the name. This reminded me a lot of Lady Snowblood. Yeah. This- I, I, you know, it, it's, it's a very clear sort of homage to Lady Snowblood because it's about this pale-skinned woman who's out for revenge, and it's like the, the land is sort of covered by snow, and, like, it's... Very violent, uh, mm-hmm. but I I think there is a lot of interesting stuff there. Although I think like Cole, I'm not like hooked, but yeah, it'd, it'd be something I'd be willing to look into. Yeah, this is one I would be willing to give uh, eventually. Give like two more episodes to see where it goes, and then from there decide whether to keep, you know, whether to keep watching or just drop it. Because like there, there's like some neat stuff they pull because the the girl she's uh, she gets you know assigned with this sort of group of pe- these like these sort of shady group of people to sort of these like this sort of political assassination and like her cohorts you know that th- she meets them at like a geisha stable essentially yeah and like that the one I guess gaijin geisha like she has blonde hair blue eyes and she yeah. like cuts a guy's throat with her little hair comb uh, I was not ready for that. Because it's, like, so quick, and it's like, okay. And then it, it cuts back to the guy, like, literally dead. It's like, fuck. And, and She also has an umbrella gun. Yeah, umbrella crossbow that's bulletproof, and also Indiana Jones whip. Yeah, Which is pretty sick. Yeah, like, that, that fight scene was hype as shit. And, and, then, and then the guy just pulls out, a, like, a goddamn lightsaber. Yeah, because he has a sword cane, pulls it out. <laughs> Presses a button on it, and then it just, like, turns red like it's superheated or something. It's like, what the... Why couldn't Kisuke do that? What the hell, Bleach? <laughs> but, like, there's some interesting fights, and then um, we we see with the other girl, like, the main girl, Yuki, she has, like, some kind of dark, mysterious past, and the show opens with, like, her fight. We get a bit for, you know, in media res, and then we, then we get to see how we got there. And she has this sort of ability to merge with a spirit, as possibly. It's this albino crow. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of, like, fuses with her. She becomes, like, she this, like, Yuki Ona, Snow Woman spirit-type character who has, like, this very, like, avian motif about her. And she, But she also has, like, this blue fire that warps around her head, like, very Ghost Rider-like. Yeah. Or you see, like, you know, just a skull, her skull inside of her. And she fights... 
her friend who is somehow transmogrified into one of these beast people. He becomes like this tiger man, and she has to fight him regrettably. Yeah. And well, like, I mean, she doesn't really realize it until the after the fact, after she has to kill him. But so, like, there's definitely a mystery there, and I like, I wonder, like, what is this supernatural stuff? Like, like, what's the crow? Like, what is the spirit thing? And how to get involved in all this? Because she's out for revenge, and like, she's willing to like. Once she realizes it's like her friend is like, sorry, dude, I gotta get my revenge. So if I gotta kill you to do it. Whoops. I, I'm kind of in the same boat as y'all, in the sense of like. Eh. Like, uh, like the fight scenes for hype as fuck. Uh, it still doesn't have something that to grab me yet. Yeah, but would be willing to see where it goes in the future. All right. Um, moving on to our next one, we have Odd Taxi. Okay. This debuted April six. It's currently streaming on Crunchyroll, and. This story is set in the nightlife of a city filled with anthropomorphic cartoonish animals, specifically following the exploits of a middle-aged taxi-driving walrus as he takes his car throughout town, picking up passengers. But each one seems to have a little bit of a story, and how all those stories interwine with a mystery of a missing high school girl. What do we think of Odd Taxi? I thought it was, uh, it's a fun little time. I really enjoyed the uh, walrus character, which is, I'm assuming, the main character. And how uh, he's like, uh, the he had a passenger in the back. He's asking a question about, like, tell me a, f- a fun story or a wild story. And he had a second to think, and the passenger in the back was like, uh, too late, I just realized I don't really care about what you're going to say. And uh, he was all, the whole time, he was just trying to find something that helped him go viral. But in the end, uh, he just took a selfie with him, and uh, he said, help, this will make me go viral. Uh, but the picture, the selfie, he just said, oh my god, I just uh, can't remember what exactly, but... He took my phone. He said, here, this will make your day better. And he just took a selfie with me. And then the his mission was just to have the tweet go viral. And, and like, to an extent, the passenger's desire to go viral did, but not for the reason he thought. Because he has, like, this, like, whole long talk. To, oh, yeah, I, your your social media presence is your, is your worth as a person. And he's being, like, very methodical on how, what types of posts to make to get his story, you know, circulated. And his, and his tweet does go viral, but only because a wanted criminal is in the background of his picture, and that's why it's going viral. Yeah. Which he doesn't realize that because he left his phone in the, in the walrus's taxi. And what's really surprising is that while this has like a very sort of cutesy, simplistic, cartoonish style, the story's very, rather dramatic. Yeah, I was not ready for that, like... When when it started up is like okay, gonna be a cute story with cute animals, and then like nope, it's not that it's like super dark or anything. It's just kind of dramatic and kind of real in it, a it, 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 in a way you wouldn't expect from a show with character designs like this. Yeah, and one thing I was really surprised by is like how. I, I guess like like Seinfeldian the the conversations feel like they're very like it takes it takes a good bit of effort to make a conversation seem like seem kind of ordinary but still like compelling because mm-hmm. like they're all they're talking like about 
you know, everyday real world stuff. And it's so sort of like just kind of flying at you, but it all sort of comes together well. You know, how the, yeah, how like the passenger and the taxi driver talking about, you know, the ups and downs of social media and the, when the, when the, Taxi driver goes to his doctor to talk about Bruce Springsteen for like five minutes. Yeah, that very curb your enthusiasm, which is the guy behind Seinfeld. But still, I had very Larry David energy, very big Larry David energy coming off that walrus. Yeah, and, and like, so, like how he's some, somehow the center of this like weird mystery, like this this crime. Yeah, and then there was like a scene where he was in his house and he was, was talking to somebody or himself or because the there's a high school girl who goes uh, who's who goes missing after leaving the convenience store late at night and there's like a big news story about it like it's an active ongoing investigation and there's a moment where the walrus is in his home he lives by himself but it, it seems like he's talking to someone that's hiding inside of his closet and we don't know who that is and there, there might be an implication it may be the girl but we don't know yeah because a lot of the show is fr- framing the walrus character as kind of this weird guy, even though he doesn't really seem like it. Like he, like in, in like the scenes we see him, he just seems kind of like standoffish and like a like a little antisocial, but not like a bad person. Yeah, like sort of like a typical like you imagine a single uh, middle aged person, middle aged man would be, but. But yeah, there's this implication that he may or may not be involved in it, and the cops are highly suspicious of him for some reason. Yeah, because there's two brother uh, cops, they're both dogs, and the older brother is like, don't listen, tell me what you need to know, because there's something going on, and then he's, and his younger brother is like very new to it, you know, he's, and the older brother's like, don't listen to anything this walrus says, he cannot be trusted. And so, like, the, the younger brother's like, okay, yeah, he seems, I believe he's, he seems suspicious, too. So, there's this weird sort of, like, you know, you can't trust the police with this thing going on because there's something fishy there. And um, and then especially with the the ending sting. Yeah. It was like, oh, shit. And, there's, and like we said earlier, there is a wanted criminal. He's just mandrill, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was just like you know, like a like a type of uh, ape or a monkey, and he's he's very suspicious. He's he's reported to be very violent, and he's sort of like lurking in the corners of the story. There seems to be some connection between him and this alpaca nurse, who, while she seems very sweet and unassuming at first, it's implied that she has a dark secret, like she might be selling pills out of their clinic. Yeah, or something. So like it's like there's all these different like threads like crisscrossing together and there's like the um, top of a larger narrative which like I'm really interested in this. I yeah, this is definitely a high recommendation for me. It, it's almost yeah. it's almost noir as far as, far as like the tropes yeah. it's playing with, but yeah. it's definitely doesn't have that noir tone. This definitely feels more like a a realistic drama sort of thing. But you, you just you, but with like colorful animal characters yeah it's it's very unassuming even from like the opening and the outros it, mm-hmm. you don't it, you, you, you sort of like get like they're, they're setting up stuff with the characters but like there's obviously 
a lot more beneath the surface here. It's it's very disarming. Yeah. But this is definitely one of my favorites and very highly recommended for me. Oh yeah, it was a it was a sleeper favorite coming out of this. I didn't expect to like it that much. Well, uh, speaking of sleeper, we'll go to our next series, which is Vivi, the Florid Eyes Song. Okay, it, I'm I'm going to be completely transparent. I fell asleep during this one, so I'm not going to have much to say. Uh, it was released April third. <laughs> it's not currently streaming on any major platform at the moment. But essentially, this is the story of a very advanced AI idol who works at a very elaborate and advanced theme park populated by uh, AI, AI mm-hmm. like free, like free working, free standing AI, and she is sort of commissioned by this program from the future to help stop a disaster where AI revolt a century into the future and sort of disrupt society and kill humanity. Yeah, in which it starts out with the scenes of that happening, and Jesus Christ, it's brutal as hell. Uh, Mm -hmm. You see these drones, they locate some people that are hiding behind an area, and they just start charging at them, and they hit them in the head till they're dead. Like, dive, like, you you see some, like, kamikaze them. Yeah, you see these people, like, hiding on a balcony, and you see, like, the drones, like, like, locate them, and just, like... Like like a bullet, like yeah. slam into their head, and oh, there's one guy who gets hit like mowed down by a parade float, essentially. Yeah, it was like, and all while like this like happy like theme park music is playing, and there's and there, there's like another idol AI. She's sort of like, hey everybody, let's get going. She's like clapping to this pop beat to like a burning sea of humanity inside of the auditorium she's playing in front of. Yeah, and it's not until like the camera pulls back that you just hear screams. You just like the whole city is just in ruin and on fire. Yeah, and, and like it was uh <laughs> like when that one AI was just like, "Hey, let are you okay? Let me feel make you let me make you feel happy." And then just like crushes their head. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. I was like, "What the fuck?" Now, I will say, as sort of, like, brutal and action-y as that intro was, I'd be lying if I said the rest of the show was like that. Because after that was when I fell asleep. <laughs> and being, myself being transparent, you didn't really miss much. Oh, really? Like, you, you sort of, you get the story of the, uh, the at the time, just the one sort of advanced AI this park has is the it's the pop idol diva and sort of she sort of sings to like to little to no one every day except she has like this one little girl who's her fan she gives her a teddy bear and she's like i i believe in you you're gonna you're gonna be singing in front of everybody i know you will and but all the rest of the ai just kind of like crash test dummies very yeah. like just like skinless eyeless very unnerving yeah, you can tell they're at a point where they're just getting into AI, and they don't really have that many, like humanoid robots just yet, or not uh, fully human robots, because Diva has like human flesh, human features, while the other uh, park workers look like some kind of demon <laughs> monster. Yeah, like Diva is essentially. Aside from like a glowing spot on her neck, 
like uh, emblem, like you couldn't tell she was a robot. Yeah, she's like she's sort of the same as regular folks on the on the on the park. And then one night, this sort of cube busts in through a window after she ha- after she sort of like has a fall on stage, and and he's just like talking a mile a minute. It's like body body blah, blah. I'm from a hundred years in the future. Uh, we're working together now, and it's just like what like just slow the fuck down what the fuck are you saying and then somehow the 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 cubes ai hacks into her teddy bear and then um he goes on this big long spiel like yeah i'm from the future we, uh my programmer chose you to help me stop the the catastrophe that's going to happen in a, a century from now and then she's all just like what the fuck i'm just trying to sing you're trying to make me a, a leader of the revolution what the fuck and then uh, he he tells her like, "Hey, um, just to prove it, uh, there's going to be a bombing in the park, and it's going to they're going to try to kill this like politician who's working with like AI laws essentially." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Well, you know, you could uh, test it. You know, you could not save when he just gets blown to smithereens. But you know, I don't know. He's like basically trying to like force her to do it. So she." Gives in and she runs to save him from the bombing. And it's like, uh, thank you, Miss AI. I'll, I'll remember you in the future. And then the, the teddy bear is like, oh, yeah, by the way, he also gets assassinated tonight. So you better save him again. And so she jumps down from the ceiling and, like, takes a bullet for the guy when the, when the assassins come. And that sort of, like, kickstarts her into being, like, this hero. This- yeah. He told her about the first assassination uh, just to let her know this is going to happen. If you don't believe me, it's still going to happen. He's going to survive. And, uh, like, he will die later. And that's what kicks in the emotion of the AI uprising 100 years from now. So if you don't believe me, just see this. And then when she realizes, oh, shit, this AI is actually from the future... Uh, she listens to him, and she's like, fuck, I am now a version of the uh, Sarah Connor. We gotta stop Cyberdyne. So, well, I guess on paper that would sound more interesting. But, like, to be honest, like, I was just kind of waiting for it to be over. Like, I wasn't really super engaged with it. And it probably didn't uh, help that this was, like, the last one we watched, and we watched all of these in a row. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't fall uh, asleep because of... Like, I got bored with it. I, I was just, like, stupid tired. Yeah. I've been up all <laughs> all morning. But, um, yeah, like I, like, I was not super engaged with that one. Like, f- from, like, the ten minutes I saw of it. <laughs> Personally, I absolutely loved it. I This is my second favorite of the batch this time. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to get into it some more. Because I really enjoy the setting. I like the... Uh, f- I like fucking robots. I like the AI stuff. I've always been interested in AI-related things. So, uh, Especially Terminator-related stuff. I, I know it's kind of copying, but I don't really care. I'm having fun with it. A lot of the other Terminator movies suck. And this seems like it probably doesn't suck. I was going to say, I'm really, really looking forward to watching the rest of this. Because the animation... Is beautiful. I love the style. It reminds me of uh, the some uh, uh, Darling in the Franks. It has like that kind of art style with like the framing. 
as well. Really, I'm just really into it. I need to actually sit down and watch more episodes. Yeah. Because I will say that the animation is strong, and I think there's like a good sense of like, like style for the series. Although I will say, I do feel like the show took a lot of visual cues from Detroit Become Human. Oh. I mean, and not to say that, you know, AI, you know, and human, and like getting human rights, I mean, you know, like being protected as like, you know, a, like a sentient species, that's not new. But like, there, there's a lot of like, recency bias that makes me think of Detroit Become Human because in Detroit they have that the android people they have like a little emblem on their head or their neck or somewhere that lights up when there's like stuff going on and a lot of their outfits kind of reminded me of their sort of outfits in the game so I think there's definitely some cues they pulled from that yeah I mean it's essentially the lights are just there to Show that they're an android and that, like, power symbols and whatnot. Yeah. It's like, if you turn on your Xbox, the ring glows green, it dies, it's red. Yeah. Essentially stuff like that. So, yeah, so that, like I said, that's not, like, a novel concept, but it's, it's something that sort of, you know, this sort of mishmash of, like, a lot of popular tropes about you know, sort of recent AI stories. Uh, I say moving on to our next one. We have Two Year Eternity, which released April 12th. It's currently streaming on Crunchyroll. In this series, it's, it's about an extraterrestrial being that's sent to Earth to observe life on the planet. And at first, it's, it starts off dormant as, as a rock. It comes in contact with a wolf. And during the course of its life as an animal, it comes in contact with a young boy who's living alone in an encampment out in this sort of arctic uh environment and it's sort of the first episode covers their journey together and so what do we think of to your eternity i really love it this was my favorite of the batch uh, this time it's very very emotional uh watching this orb uh take its journey uh holy shit i cried really really hard watching this yeah, because I I, I heard this because this originally was going to come out last fall, but it was delayed to partly due to COVID, I believe. But it finally came out in the spring, and I was I heard it described as uh, the thing, but sweet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Not wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it. This is probably something, uh, at least for me, a bit of just like unchecked expectations because everyone was telling me this show is fucking good. It's fucking sad. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was kind of a little. I don't know how to feel honestly. Yeah. Just kind of like, okay, like like I, I imagine this is going to be like just this little orb doing its thing. <laughs> you know, going across the world and whatnot, but it was just because the first episode ends in a way that it could just be like a short film. Yeah, like yeah that. I felt very it, complete. it ends in a way yeah. that you don't need to continue it. But I'm very curious to see what happens with this character as it goes on because uh, not only uh, does a lot of people say the anime is good. 
people talk about the manga and say it's really good. I remember when I was reading Chainsaw Man, the authors talked about how, and his uh, at the end of the chapter stuff, he would talk about how he's really into To Your Eternal and he's excited for the next part. And then whenever that part released, he said, I really like this part. I'm glad that it happened. Stuff like that. Okay. And it's one of those things I'm interested to see where it would go next. And and, and the thing with, like, media like th- like this as far as, like, emotion and tone is you're always walking this fine line of... Uh, on whether it feels, like, overly manipulative or not. Mm-hmm. And, and this is all completely subjective. Uh, but to me, it felt like this was more, like engineered to make me cry and therefore like I wasn't into it as much if that makes any it sounds like you just don't like crying and that's why you hate good things no I love to cry <laughs> well, it was it was just and, and like it wasn't like none of the show was terrible at all I'm not saying it was bad it was just like everyone was like oh my god I was like bawling my eyes out and I, I just didn't really have that same reaction it, like a lot of like the music and like basically how this is basically a Jack London story, and, and the minute that kid fell in the ice, I'm like, okay, he's gonna die. <laughs> it's like I've read enough Jack London to know what happens. Well, well, it I feel like I'm caught in the middle here because I did I did enjoy it. Uh, it's a, it's very well made. And I do think it it hits a lot of emotional beats, but. On John on Johnson's part of the spectrum, I feel like I knew exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But on Colt's end, I still fucking teared up at the end. Like it still fucking got me, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, and, and there were like the the bit when the spoiler alert, the boy dies. Like, yeah, I, like that was definitely emotional and whatnot. But there were a lot of moments leading up to that where I was like, I know the 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 animators are trying to make me feel sad for this moment. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, it just didn't hit me. I the way, like it just kind of left me cold. Yeah. Because, and, and part of it to me did feel like it was like, I, I hate to say manipulative because all, all media at the end of the day is trying to manipulate you into feeling something. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It, I, I think it was like, for me, like seeing, sort of being able to see behind the curtain, and like you were saying, you know, knowing knowing the plot beats, knowing when things were going to happen, I think that kind of took me out a lot of time. Yeah, where it was like, okay, this is this is a scene where X happens, and I'm supposed to feel sad, and because I knew that, it was like, well, well, shit, I guess <laughs> you know, didn't. I feel like I'm a fucking Debbie Downer, <laughs> and I'm sorry. It just, just the camera zooms in. He just has a wah wah face. <laughs> but I I do think there is a lot of good in the, in this first episode. I think like mm-hmm. you could you could just watch the first episode and it'd be sufficient. Yeah, and I mean and and just and just because I'm laying out the how like basically telling how it affected me, this show is still impressive. And, and I think it's really good and one of the highlights of this season. Oh, for sure. Uh, Colt, do you have any more thoughts? Uh, f- I'm definitely going to be finishing it, for sure. 
I'm gonna be keeping up with it week to week. I haven't watched the second episode yet, but I'm probably gonna watch it whenever the next one comes out. Yeah, yeah. I definitely do. do I'm interested, to, like, in this sort of creature's journey. How uh, seemingly it sort of travels the world and comes in contact with like humanity and and life and presumably tragedy and yeah. sort of how and how it's shaped by those experience. Well, I think it's something really cool when you have something that's so completely alien. It, like it literally has to learn to walk and learn to eat over the course of the series and like mm-hmm. how this will progress over in the span of the show. Yeah. So I think I think this is a um this is this is a strong recommendation. Regardless of whether you, you can see the beats coming or not, it's still it's still a, a strong show, I think. Uh, our next series is Shaman King twenty twenty one. It debuted April first. It's not currently streaming on any major platform, but this is the 20th anniversary of the Shaman King anime, originally coming out in 2001. This is a reboot of the anime, and it follows the, the journey of a young boy who can communicate with spirits and sort of his sort of adventures through Tokyo and the greater spiritual world of meeting other shamans, meeting other spiritual mediums, collecting spirits, and ultimately, working his way on the journey to become the mysterious Shaman King. So, what did we think of this one? I felt like the content was fine, but there's something in this that fueled a part of my brain that said, Ew. Uh, looking at the proportions on some of these characters hurt my head, uh, which is weird. Because I love One Piece, and I think the proportions are pretty fun and a nice part of its charm. Here, I don't know what's going on with it. Uh, Not just that, I also feel like some media should just stay in the past. Mainly because I looked into it a little bit more. There's some racist shit in this. (laughs) I mean, look, uh, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table... Uh, Shaman King was the first manga I ever read back in 2003. Like, on the table, I have mm-hmm. the original printing of the manga from 2003, uh, and this is 17 years old, and I have the 2021 Omnibus compilation, the first three volumes. And this series got me into manga and anime, and I really appreciate it. But it, there's definitely some stuff that comes up later that... It's not a good look. I mean, gratefully, they sort of toned it down in the American release back in the day. But there, but there is a black character that's very much of the whole Sambo, like Jim Crow style. And that's in part because of America's animation influence from back in the day. It sort of bled into Japan. And because there's not a lot of out outward thought about sort of how black people represented in Japan. Mm-hmm. A lot of those old styles still carry. Yeah. Now, granted, this isn't, this character isn't really present until much later in the series, and gratefully, they did amend how that character is designed for the new version. Okay. So there is that. But it's still... Yeah. There's still, like, a that, that sort of weight on the series. But for me personally, as much as I love this series warts and all I was really sort of let down by this episode because it kind of feels like they're trying to expedite the plot 
So they really kind of, but basically they condense like half of their first volume into the first episode. So from like for me who knows this series pretty well, for them to kind of cram like a bunch of stuff in that first episode, it felt really weird in terms of pacing. It didn't really feel very coherent or cohesive. Yeah, like I kind of picked up on that when we were watching it, and it, it felt very jumbled and whatnot. But sort of getting back onto you know caricatures and whatnot. I mean, this is something that's. This, I mean, this isn't me excusing it or anything, but, like, it's very prominent in anime. Like, I mean, it's in One Piece, a little bit in JoJo, unfortunately. It's in Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. It's definitely in Dragon Ball, you know. And, and like Pat said, this is sort of like a cultural exchange thing that you don't really think about, but then also <laughs> Japan's his, own history with xenophobia and racism is... Yeah, it's definitely not a good look. And like it's it's, it's and for someone who's sort of grown up with this series and and like was looking forward to this, like one and like kind of like Colt said, like I don't really know how a shonen from twenty years ago is really gonna translate to what to this new landscape because what it feels like we've been here before. It, it it's it's not a bad concept. I thought it was a pretty fun one. It just feels like we've seen something do it better. Even though this could probably be where uh, it, this could have been inspiration for other stuff. Mm-hmm. It just feels like we've been here. Yeah, well, and then there's like some some manga, like some shonen uh, properties that kind of age like, age really well. Like, I mean, you could probably go back and watch you know, most of, like, Yu Yu Hakusho and probably not skip a beat. Yeah. You, you'll know, like, it's like, oh, these are tropes, and Shonen in particular is very tropey. Yeah. But, like, this definitely felt like, oh, this is early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, uh, not even in, like, the stuff we brought up earlier sort of way, more of just, like, aesthetic choices like I feel like the the manga co is trying to pull inspiration from like Oda. Uh, it, well, it, it's funny you say that because the author for the Chaman King Hiroyuki Takei, Ichiro Oda was his assistant. Oh, back well, the, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> or, uh, no, excuse me. Uh, scratch that. They were both. Hiroyuki Takei, Hiroyuki Takei, author of One Piece, Ichiro Oda, author of One Piece, they're both assistants together. You mean together. Author, first guy, author of Shaman King, Oda, author of One Piece. Yeah. They they were they're both, yeah. uh, my, my brain's double here, but basically they were both assistants together for the creator of Veroni Kenshin. So, they, so they came up together, so there's a lot, probably okay. a lot of shared sensibilities in terms of like how they write a story and that and both of their series debuted about the same time because yeah one piece debuted in like 1996 or seven and shaman king debuted in like 1998 yeah and, and like like cult was saying the proportions are like weird and and also another thing here you can art looks very different now because like just for example this is not this is 1998 for Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I have a, a of the the manga volume from 1998 and the collected edition to 2021. 
And you can see the difference in his art style. Oh, yeah, definitely. And where his old art style is very, like, heavy lines and stylization, his new art style is very thin and wispy, and the proportions are much different. Mm-hmm. And because this is a newer installment of the series, they went with his art style as it currently exists. Mm-hmm. Which, as a as a subjective thing, I'm not a super big fan of his current art style. His sort of older look is much more into my personal artistic sort of mm-hmm. uh, enjoyment. But you know. If you if you draw for any amount of time, it's going to change and evolve. And oh yeah, you can't help that, and neither can anyone else. So it's purely a matter of taste. Yeah. Like I'm just I just wasn't really a fan of where his art style went. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily bad, but like cult, there was something very repellent about it. Like the the sort of our fish out of water POV character, I forget his name, the little kid with the round ass head, like. He has a huge-ass head. It's huge. Like, and, and it's only this fucking character, but I, I swear to God, like, his head is, like, five times the size of his fucking body. And I know part of it is this is going for a lighter tone, it seems like. Yeah. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but... uh So, you know, there's a more of the exaggerated, goofy faces and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, I, I just was not a huge fan like or I, I say i'm not a huge fan of like the character design there's some character designs i like like the samurai guy looks sick as shit yeah he ruled yeah he looks sick as shit but like and, and sort of our main character he he has a pretty like cool design but a lot of the others especially more of the joke characters to me i was just like oh i'm not i'm not vibing with this yeah, there was like one character. Was like, I don't know how I should feel, because it had like the big round lips on it, and I was, I was like, I feel like I should be uncomfortable about this. <laughs> I will say that character is not supposed to be black, and he's not in the series. But like the big, like big round lips, mm-hmm. that that character design exists outside of like this weird translated Sambo art style for yeah. black characters because. Like, there, there's a character in My Hero, like, the kid who eats cake and gets strong. He has, oh, like, yeah. the big, like, big goopy lips. So, like, yeah, that's not... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not going to say I'm not defending this, but just, like, that exists outside of that. Yeah, and I know there's, like, bringing it to, like, One Piece, there was, like, whole discourse about, <laughs> you know, is Usopp a racist caricature or whatever and things like that so like it, it definitely is and it's something that we're definitely more sensitive as you know american audience and more attuned to you know our our country's darker past yeah so yeah yeah because i was like whoo you're really fun it was like i was like yeah it's i was like yeah this is definitely of its time when seeing certain character designs and and plus i don't feel like they really did a great job translating the art style because like it had this awkward thing of like putting the new new art style onto the old parts of the series Mm -hmm. and there's like direct scenes from the old one of the earliest part of the series in the old art style and it really clashes with the new art style 
and are them trying to emulate the more goofy, expressive parts with like Manta, the little tiny boy character, because mm-hmm. he he's the comic relief, he's the POV character, and it doesn't really jive. It's like it just I I don't know. I'm just really as a fan, I'm just really disappointed because this feels like a misfire. Yeah, it just kind of feels like one. I don't know if this is really a series that's going to land because it's such an older series and people's tastes and have moved have moved on and plus all the other shonen that's come out so how how's it really going to stand up to like my heroes and stuff like that yeah well and and it's one of those things like i know it probably has its fan base but and like i remember like this being a regular rotation in american shonen jump back in the day but I, I just wonder who specifically is asking for this, mm-hmm. too. You know, it, it's interesting to see, but there I there was this one show we talked about, one of the previous anime reviews. I don't remember, but it was an adaptation of an older property, and we kind of, and, and I remember having a similar reaction to it, where it was like, okay, like, I, I see that this was sort of probably like, heavily influenced stuff to come later but but you know usually i can go back to other like older stuff and sort of appreciate older tropes yeah but there there's certain there are certain properties where like it definitely is like yeah i think this should stay back in like 2003 i think i know we talk about i think it was orphan sorcerer hunter Something like that. Yeah, something like that. He had like a weird. He had like a red hair band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like for some reason, like I'm thinking, like he kind of looks like soul bad guy in design. Yeah, from Guilty Gear. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. This, I, I just have a weird buck. It's like, like I really appreciate the series, and it's what helped foster this love for anime and manga. But like, this one. I just don't think this is this was a very well put together and two, like this isn't what I was hoping to get. Yeah. So like I, I feel like I in in both ways I can't really recommend it. Yeah, I mean Which is sort of like kind of disappointing for me, but like at the same time and like being honest, like I wasn't satisfied with this and if like me, a fan who can like pick out the small minutiae even from like this new translated edition of the of the series like i don't i can't see how it's really going to appeal to someone who's never seen it before yeah and like i don't know in and first episodes are not always a good indicator of what a show will be Mm -hmm. uh you know later on it could turn out to be great you know like uh like one of my favorite shows of all time, you know, Hot Take of the Century, fucking uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of those first 15 episodes where they kind of like speed through it. I'm like, y'all should have taken your time with this. I, I feel like this is this is what this is going to be. It's essentially like mm-hmm. the Shaman King Brotherhood, so to speak. Yeah, th- it feels like they're like... <laughs> Uh, trying to rush through the stuff they already did to get to the new stuff. Yeah, because they didn't they didn't finish adapting the series, and they had to like take some detours. So I do feel like how how far did they because get because the, the original series, funnily enough, it got canceled right before the final battle. 
Oh shit! Oh. But the creator was able to go go back and finish it and give it a proper ending. But the anime sort of had to make up its own ending, and so mm-hmm. there is like a more like decisive finale. But with this series, it definitely feels like because the manga intro is like very episodic and sort of like adventure of the week until you get to like the more when he meets the other shamans and like the bad like the bad ones and more ghosts and stuff. It's it's pretty laissez-faire, just sort of little adventures each week. So I do feel like they're trying to skip to the action to where like all the like shonen stuff happens. Yeah. It's sort of expedient to actually get to like the big tournament stuff and the actual shaman fight to be the shaman king. So I definitely feel like there could like there's still potential there. It's just like I don't know if this is a strong start. Yeah. So. But I don't know. Hopefully it does well, and hopefully it handles the sort of the the oogie boogie parts of the series a little bit better than the first time around. I would hope so. And it seems like David Lee self corrected in that regard, and like yeah. how that one character looks. But I'm just sort of I wasn't really well pleased with this first episode as a longtime fan. Yeah, I, I was just ultimately pretty apathetic to the whole thing, and I don't blame you, honestly. All right, and moving to our final series of the episode. Oh, damn. We're flying through these. Yeah, we're going pretty quick. Uh, we'll be talking about Godzilla Singular Point. It debuted April 1st. It's currently streaming on Japanese Netflix, but it's... We'll get it this well, summer. It seems like it'll be on American Netflix come June. Okay. So, uh, what the story is, it takes place is this... Uh, it has, like, these different people... Some part of this sort of organization, one, one, one of the characters is this sort of very intelligent girl who's sent on behalf of her, a college instructor, to deal with this weird phenomenon at this local, like, signal research station. They're getting this strange signal. They don't know what it means, and but this signal is related to a, a sort of destitute um, intelligence organization slash robotics team. And sort of, there seems to be a story to history within these two organizations that, as unbeknownst to all parties involved, but somehow all this ties back to this growing threat of these giant creatures that inhabit the world. So, what do you think of the first episode of Godzilla? I'm in love. I I love it. It's got kaiju, which of course I fucking love kaiju, and it's got beautiful, very fun character designs along with a colorful detailed beautiful world i'm so excited to uh see more of this as well it's very pretty because i will say the uh the character designer for this series is kazue kato and um those of you out there that you might recognize her as the artist and creator of the shonen jump series blue exorcist Oh hell yeah! So, she, so she's the author, author and artist of that series. But she also contributed to the character design for this show, and you can tell like has the very sort of like individualistic designs, very brightly colored, very densely detailed setting, and I think it's really cool. And plus, seeing some of the pre-release promotional material for the series. I'm interested to see the the very different interpretations of the kaiju in the series because because spoiler alert, we get a Rodan in the first episode, but it looks very different from what we know Rodan to be. Yeah, and I love how it's seemingly kaiju are a part of like their folklore because you have like these sort of traditional like 
uh, I guess like procedures and like festivals and artwork in the in the backgrounds of the show, but they depict like kaiju like creatures. Like for instance, there is a fe- festival at the beginning where you see like the people sort of transporting this shrine, this sort of this mobile shrine as part of this pilgrimage, and you see what looks like these hetero ass creatures depicted on the shrine. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of like how there is like a a congruent equivalent of this character in Japanese folklore. Like there's a sea creature called Umibozu, literally sea monk. It's like these these giant, deep, dark, bald headed creature with large piercing eyes that emerge from the sea, which is very similar to Hetera. Mm-hmm. This sort of giant pile of living pollution with giant staring eyes. Mm-hmm. Which was a monster when it first popped up, which was also the same case with Godzilla. It's just fun to see them like change their original uh, meanings into something more fun. Like, like, like there's another like giant like mural that the main character girl she encounters, or um, it's it, it looks like this kind of it almost like a fish with like Godzilla scales and spines on its back, and it's in this like dark red ocean with these sort of Tengu crow-like humanoid creatures surrounding it. And it seems like that mural is based off the Bake Kujira, which is the ghost whale, which is like literally a whale skeleton that haunts the seas. And then the, and the little Tengu-like creatures are like little tiny like swarm of Rodans. It seems like Godzilla is just Bake Kujira, and then he had Rodan of these Tengu. So like this, it's funny how like they're transposing Kaiji onto existing mythological creatures. And plus, like, even though I will say this episode does feel a little slower in terms of, but I feel like it's all of it feels necessary. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're wasting time. Yeah, this felt like very much a setup first episode where mm-hmm. everything is just setting up to where we need to be later on in the series. And, like, I, I really like um, the, um, the robot team, how they're like moonlighting as, like, Oh, you need like tech help? We can help you, even though we kind of <laughs> backdoor a virus into your computer, so you have to call us to take it off. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's one way to do it. And like they, they have like their company jackets that have Jet Jaguar, just just robot hero from the Showa era of Godzilla as like their mascot. Yeah, I was not expecting to see Jet Jaguar, and a lot of people that were really happy to see Jet Jaguar because. For a lot of Godzilla fans, he's like a um, a very unpopular character, at least seemingly in the West. Mm-hmm. Because I guess because to a lot of people, he's just kind of like has an ugly design, or he doesn't really contribute much to that movie's plot. Yeah, the West sucks. I mean, <laughs> these are the same people that hate Manila, so like they don't have room to talk. Yeah, yeah, the, the West still indeed sucks. That that fucking beautiful, ugly, cute baby. The ugliest fucking baby, but goddamn, do we love Manila so much. <laughs> and honestly, I think it's really cool how they they made Jet Jaguar. Like, he's he kind of looks like this steam-driven, kind of like hodgepodge of machinery. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to evolve into the Jet Jaguar we know mm-hmm. over the course of the series. So I'm really interested in, like, his trajectory and, like, the trajectory of the robots. I mean, can he have, like, this... 
white-haired sort of aloof guy who's sort of he's he's the real tech expert you have like this chad that works on the teams he's like constantly working out like he's He's so swole. You, if you look closely, you'll just see like his vascularity just popping out at different times, and like the leader, the pilot of the robot is just this wall-eyed old man. Yeah, he is looking in two completely different directions, and none of them are forward. I love it. <laughs> I, I love how because like the the team they're, they're at like sort of this utility fair at a school and it's like you see this little these little like rag them up and group of kids it's like jet jaguar cringe and they cringe <laughs> and they run off just being little snots oh god and like uh how they're how the the two tech guys they inv- investigate this like supposedly haunted mansion that like these weird signals are coming from that are like feeding into the the station that's receiving the signals and like Somehow there's a there's a deeper past going on to both these organizations that they that they don't realize because the main girl she's like kind of like this kaiju fan like kaiju otaku because you got like all these little like dinosaur monster mm-hmm. like little decorations and cutesy things so she's like knows a lot about sort of she's going to school for theoretical life forms whatever that means. That that sounds like uh, people who get uh, a degree in cryptozoology. Yeah, it's like it's fun. They're doing it for themselves. Which you know, props to, you. and and plus, like it's not so theoretical when a, a Rodan crashes. You know the party. Oh, yeah, and like I was really interested in how they made Rodan seem like you know it was based off a pterodactyl to begin with, but then like this is like a actual more real world pterodactyl. Yeah, because it wasn't big. It was like, uh, it, I mean, it was big, but it wasn't like the normal Rodan size. Yeah, and it, it, there seems to be hints that if, if you know, if that mural is anything to go by, that this might be just like a one of a swarm, and there might be like you know a king Rodan, like a queen, you know, like, like a, yeah. basically like a big one that controls them, like the Rodan. Yeah. The, and so it's like this is it. This is like its swarm or its babies, and so like. That comes into conflicts with everything, and then and plus just seeing like a few of the sort of like late design for some of the kaiju. Like I'm very interested with what they do with it, mm-hmm. and plus the, the series or the episode ends with a pretty big cliffhanger. You see, because like the like the the old kind of kindly fat man who runs this sort of derelict station takes like this government officer down below to the like the secret bottom level of the building, just this coursing with radiation and then when you open it you hear the the classic godzilla mm-hmm. like sweet play and then you see the bones of godzilla in the basement of the building yeah which is like oh fuck they had me hype as hell when i watched it oh i'm so excited to see what the hell they're doing here it's the first godzilla thing where i actually care about the characters i mean I'm very mm-hmm. interested to see where this goes, and I love how the characters look. And like I'm, and plus seeing the bones of Godzilla there makes me think like the fir- like the first movie is quote canon, and then they're sort of building off that. Like okay, so that's that's what my small thing because you know spoiler for the original Godzilla, Godzilla dies because we sort of when they blow away all the oxygen in the area and turns to the skeleton. Mm-hmm. So that so they somehow this organization fished out the bones and they're. Planning something spooky, which means like, are they fucking gonna make cure you with this thing? Holy shit! <laughs> that that would be the nuck and futz. 
And um, also, the, the the way they made Godzilla for this series, he looks pretty intimidating. Like, also, th- thick thighs and lives, because like he's got some <laughs> chonking <laughs> thick legs. Hell yeah! And like some chunky like, boy vampire fangs. I'm I'm re- I'm very very interested in um, Godzilla this season. Um, the Godzilla looks like the equivalent to that one meme. It's an older one. Uh, it's of the purple chicken nugget guy uh, from McDonald's. And he's like, you're craving my McNuggies? Yes, it's Grimace saying you're craving my McNuggies. It looks exactly <laughs> like that meme. All right. I think before um, we wrap up today, we should go around and say what our top three were. What would be the... What do you think were your favorites from the show? Which one do you would recommend to others and one would you would consider watching as the season goes on? Colt, do you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, my number one is To Your Eternity. I feel like that's easy for everyone to get into. Uh, my number two is Vivi, but that's because I like the future. It's cool. And then my third is Godzilla. I'm As a kaiju fan, I feel like if you are a kaiju fan of any kind... I think this is going to be some good shit right here. That's my top three from uh, To Your Attorney at number one, Vivi at number two, and Godzilla, singular point at number three. All right, John, your top three? Yeah. I'd probably say Way of the House Husband, and this is no in particular, Odd Taxi and To Your Eternity. All right, I say my top three would be um, number three, Godzilla, singular point, number two, Odd Taxi, and number one, The Way of the House Husband. So I, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty I was pretty surprised that we how we have three different top threes because usually we're you know we're, of course we all have a lot of similar interests but like all, with a lot of ours they're pretty much one for one mm-hmm. I feel like having three different top threes I think is very interesting yeah I no- I noticed this time around usually we're pretty in unison but that's a pretty divergent opinions this this time around and of course by no means is this like all the series that are coming out. I mean, there's still like a bunch of stuff that we wanted to get to, but at, at the time of recording, it hasn't been released. Like, you know, um, we want to see Yasuke, the story of the black samurai that's coming to, to Netflix. By the time this episode comes out, it had already been released, but we have to sort of call a certain point when the, yeah, when we will drop this, but that's an, that's something we want to see. Um, there's some other ones that, that I heard were good, like um, Tokyo Revengers. Um, Tanner really liked it, and a backflip. Um, the World Ends with You, um, House Hunting Dragon. Like, there's a ton of stuff out there. This, this is a very loaded season, where we just kind of had to pick from, you know, a big batch, and these were these are the seven. So by no means is this sort of like gospel. This is end all be all. This is sort of just. I, I, a section of the season that we want to talk about, and I think like there is some very strong contenders from what we talked about, and plus what ones we didn't get to. So there's there's a a lot of stuff out there. This is just sort of our sort of one show's opinion on the anime this season. But I think you have a very strong lineup for the spring. All, and also, apparently, Netflix has a VTuber character coming out, which makes me feel kind of sick. <laughs> Because it doesn't feel good. When I see VTubers popping up, I see them as an internet personality. When I see Netflix happening, I see it as a mascot, similar to how Ronald McDonald is to McDonald's. Yeah. well, It doesn't feel good. <laughs> this kind of it feels like uh, how a lot of the uh, 
it started with Wendy's. The uh, their Twitter accounts were like really sassy. Yeah, but it's like it's still a, a, like a it's still a corporation. You know, there's basically still ugly boo about that. It's so. like like this you know very corporatized effort to like engender like interest or like goodwill with their mm-hmm. product by having like just something that. Everyday people use like there's a lot of people who like do have VTuber characters online and you know, that's yeah. like their avatar for they make play games. Nothing wrong with that, but you know when you have this million billion dollar company making like this kawaii desk little sheep girl, like, it's like as their quote anime ambassador. It feels a little dirty. It, it, it feels very hollow and just like disingenuous. But like at the same time, I couldn't help but laugh at this whole like the concept of Netflix. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's fucking absurd. It's, it's sort of like how we talked about on uh, <laughs> the Isekai anime episode earlier this week about Hatsune Miku <laughs> and Domino's Pizza. Oh, God. <laughs> so Penguin uh, Hatsune Miku. Uh, <laughs> Hatsune Miku, <laughs> Brandon's goal. <laughs> I hope Oh, Netflix God. Is, fucking uh, shit. Netflix's anime ambassador, I hope that they bring up chewing tobacco <laughs> and cocaine. How about that? Cocaine. A new chewing tobacco that's mixed with cocaine. Oh, wow. It cuts up your guns, your gums more so it gets in your bloodstream faster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the VTuber is 100% like super hyper, super into everything. You know, I might actually be interested in watching if that was the case. You know, I feel like I want to see it just for, like, the the absurdity of it. Yeah. Because, like, she's, I guess, ostensibly, she's going to be, like, showcasing the new YouTube series, the new anime series on YouTube as they debut. So, cause, yeah, by the time this episode comes out, it would have already released. But, you know, tune in April 27th to YouTube to see Inko, or whatever the hell her name is. Anyway, the Netflix, John, whatever, <laughs> as she reviews <laughs> the latest Netflix series and how we're just sort of morbidly curious about it. All right. <laughs> also, stay tuned for AYCH's VTube character. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hide and watch. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening today. We hope you have it. Uh, we gave you some t- choices to choose from. For this spring anime season, we think you'll be well served from this season. A lot to choose from. From what we picked and just in toward the general landscape out there. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our streaming platforms. That's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and any RSS feed catcher out there. Be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe on all those platforms. Helps us out. Keeps us visible. Gets us when I need people. And, of course, we always appreciate you when you do it. You can follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast, Letterboxd and Facebook at All Can Hear, Twitch at twitch.tv slash All Can Hear, and YouTube as well, also at All Can Hear. Uh, be sure to check out our spinoff series, Cajun Greatness. We have a couple episodes that came out this this week. One is sort of a joint effort where we talk about the new Mortal Kombat movie, and also we have a sort of a banter episode on that, se- on that uh, feed with just us shooting the shit for two and a half hours. And just having a good time. And uh, lastly, follow me on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and Letterbots at John Lost His Name. My art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24 and Jonathan12 on Letterbox. 
My name is Colt. Follow me on Twitter at ColtD00. Read Vinland Saga. Just read it. Just read that, okay? Which is also a series we covered in one of our earlier anime. And it, we recommend it then, and we recommend it now. Mm-hmm. 100%. Just read it, please. I want more people to watch and read. All right. Uh, thank you all so much. We'll be talking to you very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.